I am unashamed. What about you? I'm not a golfer. I'm not sure why I do that to myself. <laughs> it's like a three-day tournament, right? Three-day and a practice round. So oh by day three or four, you're basically just trying to get finished. <laughs> well, so you were still playing. We had a little feed at my house yesterday uh, that the dad got in on. You were the only one not there because y'all were still playing. Yeah. But Willie and Jeff had played already and finished their round. But Well, they were in the undercard. <laughs> I was up there with the big boys, and uh, that's what happened. <laughs> I understand. Now, they, they left that part out because I was like, where's Jason? They're like, oh, he's still playing. Like, like you just no, were playing they, slow or something. I don't know. No, no. They, they, the better you are – the later you go, <laughs> just watch a golf tournament. So, well, but we finished like one shot out. But look, I'm gonna tell you why I was there because I mean, this was a nice tournament. But if you had a hole in one on number 17, you won a very nice truck. I mean, I'm assuming it was a sixty, seventy thousand dollar truck. Ooh. I mean, for a hundred bucks with it with three chances, I thought. So day I one, I bet they had that hole set up hard though. Day one, oh, it was long. It was like 190 yards. Uh-huh. So day one, I hit it left. You know, couldn't handle it. I was like, just couldn't deal with the fact of winning this truck. <laughs> so day two, I hit it better, still a little left. I got up there yesterday, and I just a sense of peace came over me, and I thought about that verse. <laughs> Nothing's impossible. <laughs> I looked over at that truck. With God, all things look, are. I said. I'm fixed to win this truck. <laughs> so I got up there. I did my little waggle, focused. I hit it. And when I looked and saw the ball and the way, you know how it yeah. feels when you flush one. I said, that's, that's it. it. Where's the keys? <laughs> in in flight. <laughs> the ball's still in the air. It's still, it was going dead at it. I said, this is it. This just happened. I was ready. I was already thinking about the celebration because 190 yards is a long way. But it hit the green. And it started rolling, and I saw it just going a hair left. It was about seven feet. It was dead pin high, but it was about seven feet. You have it back left. left? The pin was back left? No, I was in the middle. Okay. Close, just, but no truck. So I told Missy, I said, well, she said, did y'all win? I said, nope. I said, but I came seven feet from winning a brand new truck. <laughs> she said, is that supposed to be good? <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't too impressed, was she? So she said, so you didn't have a hole in one? I said, no. She said, so you made birdie? I said, no, I missed the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Nice No truck, no birdie. Just a par. par. Just a par. (laughs) So that pretty well sums up that. Well, I will say this. With that plan, not many trucks are given away. I'm sure no truck was given away. Nobody made a hole. Trust me, I would hurt. Look, the only, I will say this, because I was making fun of Jeff. The only time I thought the truck was one, because, you know, this is not like the Masters. You hear zero applause. Right. There were a few fans and supporters wandering around, but there was one moment that I heard an eruption loud. You thought and so? I said, somebody just won that truck. So I went to the clubhouse. I look, and Jeff is just beaming. I, it, it, like a glow, I said, you made a hole in one? He said, yeah, I hold it. I said, you won the truck? And he said, no, they had a chip off <laughs> for for $5. <laughs> for $5. Yeah, you won, you know, some Jelly of the Month club <laughs> membership <laughs> or something. But look, so here's what's funny. So Jeff, when he come up there, they said, all right, you get one free one. 
And then for $5, you can get an extra one. So Jeff gave him $20 and said, well, I want five. So they get a free one. So about his fourth chip, and it's not very far, he makes it. So Jeff said, I mean, I'll make the chip. You know, it's a big eruption. He said, then I heard a guy say, well, it must be nice just to have an endless amount of money that you could just <laughs> buy chips from. So Jeff said, that kind of dampened my spirit. <laughs> oh, man, poor Jeffy so, Coe. No, he actually told me he won a, I think he won a golf bag or something pretty nice for. Oh, he did? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't was, know what it was. There was a prize for that. Always but, remember, Jace, you need to make money the old-fashioned way. You earn it. <laughs> Well, Phil, it is look. It is the best golfers win. I, I consider it a skill. I mean, so because look, they weren't giving you prizes for winning the tournament. You, they gave you money. So we just didn't perform up to our expectations. Well, you don't play no, enough to really. We didn't. No. Well, my partner's good, yeah. so he's got to play outstanding, and I got to play a little. So it's better. a two-person four-ball, right? In, in the yeah. best score. So ball. basically, you play the hole, and if your score is better than your partner's, you you play your score. But it's mm-hmm. you play by the rules of golf, so that makes it tough. But what I was going to say, it was Labor Day, and so when I'm coming home, I mean, I was disappointed for about thirty seconds, and then I moved on. I mean, because you're not going to feel bad about getting to play golf. But I came around the corner in our neighborhood, and I looked, and there was like seven kids. You know where those two uh, Doberman Pinchers usually yep. stand up? They're like, somebody has the same look as that. Uh, what was that show where the guy had the two? It was a Magnum P.I. In fact, yeah. that's what I call it. When I walk by there and see them, they're sitting there. They're, they're looking. They don't usually make a sound. They're just looking at you like, you, you one wrong move, you're dead. And they have the shock collars that keep them in the yard. But I'm thinking, I don't walk right by. Not shock collars. It's not a shot, sensor yeah. uh, for the – they have some sensor now for yards where when they get near it, they beeps something yeah. on Yeah, that beeps or whatever. Yeah, it's like a wireless uh, fence so or a fenceless fence. But so I, when I walk by, they're sitting there. But I call them the lads because on the Magnum PI, that's what the little oh, British guy called them, the lads. So what I was gonna say was seven eight kids. I just I stopped because I was like, "What are y'all doing?" And they because they had you know a little booth set up and they were waving and they said we're selling lemonade. And I said, "Well, what's the occasion?" And the girl, there was one girl. I mean, these were probably eight, nine, ten. One of them was Cody's daughter. No, I know. Yeah, okay. Well, look, she so. She said, uh, we're selling lemonade. I said, why? She said, well, it's Labor Day. I said, oh. I said, well, I got one question for you. Of course, I didn't realize that that was his daughter because I can't. Kids grow so fast, and they come in and out, and there's so many kids coming in and out of my house. You don't know. I said, I got one question for you. She was looking at me. I said, actually, I have two questions. I said, but one's important. I said, do you love Jesus? And she said, I sure do. I said, well, you're going to get a tip. I said, the other question is, who has the cleanest hands out of this crew? Because I'm just looking at this crew. And she said, well, that would be me. (laughs) (laughs) I said, you fix the lemonade. So I, and I, so it came out. She's like, that's a dollar. I think I gave her like $9. Yeah. And she said, well, you're giving me way too much. I said, no, when you said you love Jesus, I could tell you didn't fake that. Your response was natural and real. And she said, well, you know, I'm Cody's daughter. I was like, Cody who? <laughs> She's like, we were just at your house last night. I was like, 
Well, man, you sure have changed in 24 hours. <laughs> and then the boy standing next to her said, well, I'm, I'm her brother. I said, oh, sorry, buddy. I didn't recognize you. Everything is coming back together here. <laughs> so what I was saying, though, is so that made me go home and look up why we celebrate Labor Day. Oh, boy. Well, do y'all know? <laughs> of course I know. Well, let's hear it. I'm oh. a citizen. It's you celebrate all the workers, all the people that have you know built our country and built our well, nation. What what started it? Do you know that? I don't know. I don't know the origin though. That's why I say I looked it up in the late, and I think this is important. Why? Because I in the last ten years I've seen a fall of the American worker. No oh, doubt. Yeah. No and doubt. Everybody that is I true. bump into who has some kind of management position, they can't find anybody that will work. So I thought, well, shouldn't we have like addressed that on Labor Day? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I saw those kids doing that and I don't know if it was their idea if their parents said, well, it's Labor Day. Go. Go labor. Go, go labor. But because that was her answer. She said, it's Labor Day. And I thought, oh, so you're working because it's Labor Day. So when I looked it up, basically they, you know, back then times were tough. This is, we're talking late eighteen hundreds, and so they used one day to try to improve conditions at the workplace because it was rough. It wasn't very, uh, yeah, sanitary, sanitary or, or you know, probably safe. Like they were working. The average person was working twelve hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, that's what it said. So, uh, and Kit, you worked all the way down to five and six years old. There wasn't this child labor law. Right. No. So they did it, and uh, they did it locally at a few places, but then there was some riot, and, you know, I read the whole thing, can't remember it all, and then the president at that time just went ahead and made it a national holiday. Said, no, we're, we're One once time, a year, we're uh, going to address uh, the work. thought processes was if... If you don't work, you don't eat, a biblical verse. Yep. <clears throat> but they got around that by saying if you if you don't work, you, you'll still be fed because the government will feed you. Right. So they stepped in thinking they were doing a brilliant thing, help out the poor. Well, there are some people in, in need, but there are more people who take advantage of that. Right. Yep. Well, and the, it's always a pendulum swing because – Obviously, the situation you described, Jace, it was too far the other way. People were taken advantage of, and it wasn't safe. But now we've gone, the pendulum has gone so far the other way, we actually, these kids are showing us the way we have to have a labor day to work that day. So the holiday, now there's so many not working that you almost need a day to say, hey, why don't we go to work? I'm telling you, you know the number one reason I quit going to fast food? I mean, it wasn't because it was fast food. And I'm excluding Chick-fil-A because you'll understand why when I tell you this. I mean, I waited about, I would say, 15 or 20 minutes. That was the first thing. So it wasn't fast. It wasn't fast. And I, I won't name the, the chain because I don't want to start, start a fight. <laughs> and so I get up to the window. It's just about any of them, James. And the girl shoved this bag out that had grease stains on the outside of the bag. And she went, Here. And I, I just, it just did something to it. <laughs> it broke you. I grabbed it and I was like, thank you. She was just looking at me. Get out of here. I was saying you should have said thank you, but she thought I was thanking her for going here. <laughs> I, I just, I thought, you know what? 
<laughs> we came in here. You're working because I'm stopping. Yeah. And people like me. You can at least be courteous in that moment, even if you don't believe it. Just here? <laughs> no. He said, I'm out. Is that, I mean, you think I overreacted? Well, I mean, I think there were other factors subconsciously that, because I'm just not a big fan of fast food. But I think that's why Chick fil A is so successful. They work on their customer service. The people are friendly. They say hello. Work on, I mean, Al, they're, they're like, you know, over the top. It's fast. I mean, they're busy and it's fast. Yeah. I go every time I come out here to get chicken biscuits. Well, I'm sure not all Chick fil A's are created equal, but the one. In our I don't home. know that I've been to a bad one, but you're right. It's it's what it is. Is it's but Jace, that's all in training. Like they but should that's be trained. To, they is, should be I trained to be, do this. Yeah. These are kids, you, you know. You should be courteous and respectful and act like you're, you know, working. Yeah. Because well, while you're trying to figure it all out, uh, I did a little light research, Jace, and this would be for you to answer because you'll have the answer or you'll make one up. <laughs> Is uh, I never found the word pulpit in the Bible. Well, hang on. Not one hey, word. Hang on. Let's. This, this sounds like this one needs to. Let's take a break and then, then we'll get back into it. So we uh, talk a lot on the Unashamed podcast about eternal health care and eternal insurance. That's dad always talks about that. And that's what heaven is, right? That's what our faith in Jesus leads us to. But while we're on earth... We do have to deal with these matters, and one of them is, is life insurance. And so, you know, I don't know anybody that likes to really try to do all of that themselves and try to figure this out. So we got a company, one of our sponsors, uh, that's going to help you help figure that out for you. It's called Policy Genius, and what they do is they're going to find you the cheapest rates for life insurance, and they're going to give you the options to figure that out. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Options start at just seventeen per month for five hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage. PolicyGenius.com slash Phil. You get those personalized quotes. They don't add on extra fees. Your personal information is private. Uh, they don't sell it to third parties and things like that. They've helped over thirty million people shop for insurance and place over one hundred and fifty billion dollars in coverage. So head to PolicyGenius.com slash Phil to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. PolicyGenius.com slash Phil to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. Now, the dictionary says it's a raised portion yeah. where, a, where a, a, a person gets and he's talking to people down below him. But, but pulpit, I can't find the word in the Bible. You would think, Jace, if you're going to use pulpit, the term pul, the word pulpit, you would at least... Non-biblical term. Yeah, yeah. Well, who, who made that up? Because it's not the, the Bible, but God didn't say anything about it. So mm -hmm. how did we end up thinking... It's right in between evangelism and rapture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think either one of those two are in there either. Well, <laughs> you are correct. There you go. So it makes you wonder why would they come up with this word to where the only place that the, a crowd being spoken to, Christians, is, is a guy, a preacher, who's in a raised portion talking to them. And I'm, think, like I'm thinking, the well, the next morning you're out there 
you know, going down the river in a boat and you pull over and you're talking to someone about Jesus. Where's the pulpit? How does that fit in to, well, to a person following Jesus every week? I mean, well, when does he get You act, want my answer? How many people are actually <laughs> really. get in a position that's known as the pulpit? How many are gathered? Well, here's my answer. So did theologians <laughs> dream that up, Jace, or did, did just I do not up? know where the actual word came from. But, that's what I'm trying to figure but, out. And I do not like the idea of that word because it is not in the Bible. But I, now what they're going to, people who revere the pulpit are going to say, well, you got to stand somewhere. The problem I have with it is you, you, wait a people minute. equip. No, you don't have what? to stand anywhere. In other words, if 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 we are if we're Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making His appeal through us, I'm trying to figure out where the pulpit word enters the. Well, I'm saying if you're going to get up and speak, I would rather somebody get up where everybody can see him, then he just do it sitting down and we're all pointing the same direction. That would be weird. So I get it. You got to get up here. Here, let me finish my thought. My problem is it with it is, is that people equate that with some kind of power. That's what I'm scared. Or holiness. That's what I'm wondering about right there. So with that, that's why I don't like it. And I like, uh, multiple people getting up, on various occasions, because I think it keeps it from becoming. I mean, we, there's one king, and his name's Jesus. Yeah, it looks like the Apostle Paul and them, without realizing it, but the areas they ended up in preaching the gospel on top of Mars Hill, down next mm -hmm. to the temple where the Jews were, and or in the synagogues. If if he could stay a little while, they'd run him off. They were on to something, Phil. The apostle, now, you the know apostle what we should Paul do? was going around, and to him, the world itself was the pulpit. Yeah. Wherever you so are I'm, on earth and you're speaking here's the what I message, though, you are— that, they Let me would, give you some historical context, because this may help shape your— because okay. I see y'all are running into some theology here. So the ancient Greek, the Greek word is bima. So it's been around a long time. It means platform or step. But the, the pulpit has actually been around pre-Christianity, ancient Greece and Rome. Because they, when the, you know, then they would philosophize. I'm aware of that. So that's, that's the origin. So it actually predates Christianity, which is stronger to your point, actually, Dad, because you probably should hear something out in the Bible since it that predates the New Testament. Is the word you in don't. the Bible? The word is not in the Bible. Yeah. Well, here's what I was going to say. So that's the, I mean, that's it's the used history. so much, and it seems to be the centerpiece of 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 America's Christian uh, groups. They they it seems to be the the spot. It's it's elevated. It, it's literally. I've been to Mars elevated. Hill. And you have too, right? Yep. So why don't we just put a Mars <laughs> Hill in all the buildings? <laughs> now you're make getting it out of rock. Now you're beginning to think. And then like it would I'm make thinking. you be in context, Al. Yeah, I could do the rock. But I've they... done far more sharing Jesus with people away from a pulpit. Yeah. It's it, it's not even a, a factor. Well, here's another. I mean, factor. everything I do Monday through Saturday. I mean, talking to people, you know, on the riverbank, you're standing here, you're standing there. I mean, the 
it's just something about the place where you have to stand in order to preach as well, the pulpit. Get in the well, pulpit. To your point, Phil. Ninety-nine point nine percent of all human beings never get a shot at the pulpit. But well, I'm just thinking, well, why would we? Why would we go down that question, road? Because now, where were they primarily meeting in the New Testament? Homes. Homes. Here, there, and yonder. Where were they? Pulpits in their homes. They'd have to drag one or make one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my point. I think you're overall point. They'd have point. to elevate it, and then if you stand there, then you need to listen well, to him because he's in the pulpit. It represents part of the problem with the with the modern church. Now you're right? beginning to read my now, line. Let me tell you another thing, and this y'all might like this. So there's another use of the word other than what we're talking about here. A The bow of a boat, ship, it's also called the pulpit, especially on the old whaling ships. And you remember mm-hmm. on Jaws when yeah. he goes out and shoots the shark with the mm-hmm. harpoon? That's called the pulpit on a boat. So in that context, it's it was used for fishing, which kind of goes back to what our overall. I'm goal simply is. asking the That'd question. That'd be a perfect place to share Jesus yeah. with to a bunch of fishermen on a boat. That's right, in front of the boat. And see, my point. Did. I'm getting to the part on where I, I don't see how you pull together. Pull and pit. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's the pit, what part is the pit, and what part is Maybe the pit. Maybe you're trying to pull people out of the pit. Maybe that's where it came <laughs> from. Well, it's a 1L pull, so I don't know. But a pit, it can be a pit, depending on what's coming out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I think your point is, I agree, that if you put all your if Christianity into that moment for one hour— whether somebody's speaking, even the worship. I mean, if you're only worshiping an hour a week, let's just take worship. Let's get on that. If you're only worshiping an hour a week, if you're worshiping God an hour a week, how many hours are there in a week? Uh, 156. So 160, 160, 168. 168. So let's say you worship God an hour a week. Yeah. That's terrible. It's not good. And and only one person is talking, and you don't have a the chance of saying, Preacher, what are you talking about? Because well, you can you, say, "Well, I told you can't you, in question, some churches, you they can't do. question what's coming out of the pulpit because that's the official well, I've place to said, stand." I think we should say, "Well, if we don't agree," but I've done it about three times, and everybody looked around like, "What do he say?" <laughs> that's I me. Mean, I didn't say it loud. I should, you know, I was just like, "Well." <laughs> well, I'm thinking. So I'll I'll wrap it all up in my head. Anywhere you're standing. Sharing Jesus with the world. Oh, you're in the pulpit. Okay, now we're but talking. You're just not going to. I use agree it. with that. That's you good. You have to be the ordained no person yeah, to good. be in the pulpit. No, yeah. no. I mean, I think it has a purpose. It has a function. But you're right. That has well, a bigger function. And just that, a thought. And and the word itself is so much moved past just the lectern or the stand or whatever, because it's even a position. They'll say. Oh, his, you know, and have you noticed it's sought uh, without saying it is considered hallowed ground because oh, yeah. that's it's, where the it's down front. Which I I'm just a little well, leery right. after yeah. studying Hebrews. Right. I, I, you know, we're getting down to where you're standing and who are the ones you're listening to, and if he's not up in an elevated portion of the premises, yeah. he's not. He's not. He's not. Uh, he, he's not the man. Well, when you go to Europe. And you go and you so now the the a lot of the old cathedrals that are there are like museums, 
we went to one. Remember when we were in Paris, we went into Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. And it's so it's more of a museum. But I, I noticed it's funny when you go down front, there will be signs there that says, don't come here. <laughs> That's right. You, you can walk around. You pay 20 it's bucks. It's almost in the minds of, of many religious people. It's almost hallowed ground. And I just don't think it should be that way. Well, we even use words like sanctuary and you know stuff like that, which right. kind of takes it back to the temple. It's it's a it's a modernization of the temple idea that we talked a lot about in Hebrew. The book of Hebrews, if it hasn't done anything else, it crushed that part, the that that way of thinking. Right. Exactly. And and look, I, I you know Jesus has gone through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, right. heaven itself. Yeah. So this whole thing about you know camping out. You know, with one guy standing but up at an elevated portion, I think it just needs to be rethought. Well, I think you're right. And we all need to realize we're part of this. I mean, I spoke at our church this past Sunday. I stood up front. We didn't have a pulpit there anymore, just a little table. I was at a table. I was at a little table in a oh, little house. Oh, y'all calling the little thing. What well, that's actually the pulpit, the, the stand that you, that's what the word actually oh, means okay. is that. That what but like I said, it's dad's right. It's expanded to a position of authority in a place. That's right. Of almost. Not, That's what scares me. Yeah, which is is not. You're right. It's not biblical at all. Just kind of has graduated at that point. Let's all take, right. Hang on. Let's take a break. So one of uh, my favorite sponsors is a, is a group called Bespoke Post, and um, their website is called Box of Awesome, which is an awesome name for a website. Um, but they, uh, they send you a monthly kind of like a surprise package. And so you, you go in and you tell them what you like, the kind of things you like, and then they're going to send you some things. Uh, a little package shows up every month. And Jace, this showed up, um, when I got back home from my last trip, cause you like bags, right? So I'm going to, well, when I need one here, I'm going to give that one to you right oh, now. Oh, so you can just love on it. You don't have to give me a Christmas. Oh me. yeah. Now you're taken care of. So uh, you, th- this thing is heavy duty. Uh, I could see you putting some uh, some of your hunting grip in there or things like that. But that's one of the things that comes because, you know, it's hunting, it's outdoor. Uh, it's a lot of really cool stuff. To get started, you go to boxofawesome.com. You're going to take a quiz, and that way you can get the right stuff. They release new boxes every month and across different categories. Uh, with each box of awesome, you're supporting a small business, and 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from an, a small up-and-coming brand. So I like that because they're trying to help uh, these small companies uh, in our culture. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month, or you can cancel any time, so you're not locking into some long-term thing. Uh, but I think you'll love it. I do. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. And enter the code Phil at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil, 20% off your first box. All right, you want uh, the review and a sermon for you in 13? Yeah. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. We're almost through with the book. So we, get to, we went through how great Jesus is. We Jesus, got to Jesus faith. Jesus superior. We got to hope. Faith, Hebrews 11. We got to hope, Hebrews 12. Then we get to love. He says, keep on loving each other as brothers. So we love one another. That's biblical. I think we went through that. We love strangers. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by doing so. To your point, Phil, that to do that, you're going to have to get out of the building 
mindset. Yeah, don't. I mean, there might every once in a while they'll say if you know if there's a visitor here, you know, welcome them. But let's face it, in most churches, visitors are rare. Do you agree? You know, my point is, don't forget verse twenty-three. To, I'm getting there. When you when you when you come to Jesus, you've come to the church of the firstborn, whose well, name twelve twenty-three. Yeah, twelve. You have come to God, the Judge of all men, and listen to this, Jace. You have come to the spirits of righteous men, and this phrase is small but powerful. Mm-hmm. Made perfect. Yeah, perfect. You're all right, we're going to get to that. Ones. We're going to get to that. So. We got loving brothers, loving loving one another, loving strangers. Then he said, love those who are being persecuted. Love the ones who are out there really getting persecuted for Jesus. Remember verse 3, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves. No room for a pulpit there, Jace. Okay. You're on this today, Phil. So <laughs> okay. four. Now you can't have a you can't have a pulpit in marriage, or it just that's not gonna work. It bet, you better somebody standing in an elevated, basic, you better, you elevated position two. saying, "Here's a way you." Now no, see, Phil, no. to your argument, because you're saying, "Well, God has made us perfect," which is true, right? You just read it. But if you declare in your marriage like that statement, "I'm perfect," I'm perfect. It's not gonna go well. I have done it. Turn it around and say, uh, nobody's perfect. That's a lie. <laughs> Jesus, it was the perfect one who has made his people perfect forever. Yeah. The Hebrew writer says. I know. I tried it with the wife. Now, that was early on in the marriage, and it just didn't go well. Because yep. I was saying, technically, I'm perfect. God forgave me, and you have to, too. You have to view me as perfect. She's perfect, too. I know, but I was saying she wasn't viewing me as perfect in that moment because I had messed up, and she was mad. I said, "You, you got to love That's me." That's why you remind her you're perfect and she's perfect. Why are we arguing about such a little matter on who gonna feed the dogs this morning? I mean, <laughs> so Dad was there. <laughs> Not sure what the. I'm sure we've had well, an argument. Marriage should be honored okay. by so all. Say, that includes, that includes gonna... you and start with you and your wife. So uh, that should say, be honored. You, you love, but if you add the category for your sermon now, so you love one another, you love the strangers, you love those being persecuted, you love in the marriage. Love and, your spouse. With or without kids. So you love the family yep. dynamic there. I like yep. where you're going. Now, then he takes a time out there. And say it, because when he gets to marriage, which is the most difficult uh, venture based on the stats that, what, 60% of people now getting married or getting divorced? Something yep. like that, or, 50 yeah. and 60. So, so he takes a time out, and he brings up the two most argued things about in marriage and pretty much in society that there is. I mean, we didn't stop there. I, we left off here in, in our last podcast b- before our guest. But yeah. when you think about it, because he brought up, what did he bring up? He brought up sex and money. Because he says, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man 
do to me. It's a great way to roll. So what I was going to say is, so he gives these things we should love. Each other, uh, the marriage, those being persecuted, even strangers, because we're God's ambassadors. We, we represent him. Well, then he, it's like he gives the motivation to love, to do that. I mean, the first one is the one I just read when he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And that's a quote from uh, Deuteronomy 31. You know, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what command do to me, which is a quote from Psalm 118. So I was going to ask y'all what y'all thought about you know, when he brought up the two things that we argue about the most. Now, he gave the answer to the money one because he says, be content with what you have. Right. I mean, don't, because my point is it's about love because it's like people commit adultery and they're immoral in the name of love. And he's, He's talking about loving one another, obviously loving him as he loves us. And then he's like, keep yourselves free from the love of money, which my point is the theme is things you love or people you love. And things you shouldn't. And things you pursue. Because we're all pursuing something. Everybody listening to my voice, there's something that is the predominant pursuit of their life. Yep. It may be money. It may be sex. It may be rock and roll. It may be rock and roll. <laughs> it might be fishing. You know, it might right. be car racing. Yep. But but it's more times than not money or sex or some kind of relationship that And money is a root of all kinds yeah. of evil. Be careful with your internet getting rich quick, Jace, when you say I'm gonna put the mud this much money. Be careful that it doesn't get to, to, to such a point that it begins well, to be your focal point on planet Earth. Well, that's what I was going to say. Look, it's not just the acts. The pursuit of it can be overwhelming. Yep. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, I just saw. There's a mighty, a uh, mighty number of individuals that the love of money brought them down. Yeah, I just saw, I mean, a couple of days ago, this uh, one of the stocks. Uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, which has been what they call a meme stock. You know, the stock goes way up and it goes way down. It has nothing to do with the business. People are just, and the business is not doing very well. But but the uh, the CFO who had sold a bunch of stock just so happened when it was up, and then it went down, and people started investigating it. Said, "Wait a minute, now what's going on?" Well, he just went out and jumped off a building, and that just happened yesterday. Killed himself. And I thought, how tragic is that? Well, the first thing I looked up, which was hard to find, because I wanted to see if he had a family. Of course he did. Yep. Had a wife and, and two daughters. And I, I just I thought about this passage. I mean, yep. it's sad because you feel for them. Did he say why he jumped off the building? Hang on, let's take a break. So you have 360 joints from your neck down the vertebrae, down your arms, hips, knees, and feet. 360. It's almost a joint per day that can go wrong. They take a beating with just with daily activity, but also, I don't know if you know this, Dad, but we're not getting any younger. So as we age, your joints hurt. Uh, sometimes they mess up your sleep and things like this. So one of our longtime sponsors, 
and also dad and I do some spokes work uh, for these folks, uh, is called Omega XL. And basically they explain the science of when you're young, your bodies produce something called SPMs and they keep your joints healthy. But as you age, your body quits producing as many, and that's why you start getting the aches and pains. And so you take this product, and it literally rejuvenates your joints and muscles. And Dad and I both will, will attest, it works. Uh, in fact, somebody sent me a note the other day, one of our longtime listeners that was a, a former professional athlete, and said, man, these you were, you guys were right. And I was like, well, we're not lying to you. Of course we're right. It's a great product. OmegaXL.com is where you go, slash feel. You're going to buy a bottle and get a second bottle for free. So that's going to give you a, a two-month supply, which is about how long to really feel the maximum effects with the product. So it's OmegaXL.com slash fill, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. No, he did not. Or was it the stock market went down, his stock? No, he it, it he got out perfect. He 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 sold. <laughs> Did he feel but, bad about making money well, he, of why you jump knows, off the building? I'm saying there there must have been. There was probably something that, illegal that went on. Yeah, ever, the red, red red flashing light started coming up around it, and uh, I but I just saw the picture of their family there, and I thought about this verse because you see it, you know, in that moment of how you get off track. I mean, who knows? I, I don't even know the situation. I just hate it for that wife and the kids because I know whatever this was over, wasn't worth it. Yeah. No. It wasn't worth it. There was your true treasure yeah. right there. He yeah. gave his life over it. Yeah. Yeah. But it all revolved around, he was the chief finance. Boy, does that make the, the Hebrews text come to life? Woo. Well, I, I just brought it up because it's sad, and I feel for his family, but I thought about it because he was the chief financial advisor for this uh, a major company right. in our world and it just it just didn't go well but you can't have a pursuit or a love for money or immorality I mean, he's the one god you know took a time out here and then gives us the motivation cuz he said i mean i, I think it's interesting that cuz he says be content with what you have because God has said, well, this whole book of Hebrews is about putting your confidence in God's word. Think about it. He said, I cannot lie. It's impossible for me to lie. Mm -hmm. I, I've built this whole eternal possibility for you on my promises. The, the Hebrews 11, all the witnesses, what did they witness? The promises of God. So the motivation, I think, first for having an attitude of love is that you base it on God's promises. And what was his promise here? His presence was the promise. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Now, I do think. And, and it was God who said, to add to your thinking there, uh, it was God who said, you take these scriptures and you, you feed on them. Because solid food, back in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, the last statement in that letter, solid food is for the mature. You say mature people would uh, not put everything on the love of money at all. 
uh, but the solid food, the scriptures that you take, you say, well, where is this food coming from? By God said, I'll never leave you. He said, just read what I've said to you, because if you, you who by constant use, you take the scriptures and you use them, have trained themselves, so it's not, not a day or two thing, no, this is a lifestyle. They've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You say, if you, the scriptures have got you on a level to where you know you shouldn't put everything into how much money you make and how fast it comes because it can be a detriment and it, it can cost you your life, as you just uh, you know, said yeah. with the guy jumping off the building. He was a little bit too uh, solidly controlled by the love of money. I mean, the bottom line is when we look back on our lives, you look, don't jump off buildings, well, you know, because you you know you you lost some money in the stock market, right? I mean, or you're going to be in trouble for doing something. And that I mean, yeah. But what I was going to say is, so that's a quote from uh, Deuteronomy 31. And when I went back and read that, Al, you probably know more details about it than I do. But 31:6 says, "Be and and this is basically the Lord." Giving them the promise that they would cross over to the promised land. Yeah, they were and right he, there at the door. They were, and he said, "Moses, you're not going to be able to go because right. there was some consequence of his sin before." Yep. And but he could see it from a distance. So you get to verse six. Of course, they're all scared because they're like, "Well, we how do we know they're going to let us live there?" Or you know what is? I mean, they were there was a lot of unknowns. And you got to think about it. Talking about being poor, they've been wandering around for forty years. Forty years. And they were enslaved. It made me think of they us. They were enslaved yeah. before that, so it's not I mean, like we got a lot of military might here. I mean, for thirty years we were all working hard. They ate and, good when the quail came, but uh, well, we were eating good for thirty years while we'd been on the duck calls. But guess what? We no didn't money. have any money. That's right. And so, I mean, it was embarrassing. I remember even when I'd go out with my wife when we were dating. I mean, she's like, "Where do you want to go?" And I said, "Well, how much money you got?" <laughs> She's like, how much money do I got? She's like, my dad's a preacher. I don't have any. I said, well, looks like Taco Bell. They got <laughs> well, that Sonic brown bag the special. Brown bag special. But back then, I wasn't so easily offended, but I just think they work better. You know what I mean? Probably. Yeah, now these days. Well, you know, you didn't have many choices. <laughs> these you're these eat. days, I'm like, here. So look, verse 6 says, Be strong, courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now here's why I bring this up. So I read this whole story, but what I found interesting is that in chapter 32, I can barely read my right. Deuteronomy? Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, 47, you know, they turned their backs on him, and it says, uh, why would I have written this down? Yeah, 47, let's see. I got I got read 32. Maybe that's chapter 32? It has to be. For so, so for some reason, I want to read these verses. At the top 47, of it says, chapter, uh, 32, 30. 47, it says, they are not just idle words for you, they are... They are your life. By them you will live in the land you are. Oh, because I, I wanted to make the point that he's saying when God says something, 
they're not idle words. I mean, I like that statement. They are your life. Mm-hmm. The word of God is your life based on the promise. So then in verse 50, watch what he says. Uh, there on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered. Oh, this is this when is he went to let Moses yeah. go up. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the, the Israelites. Uh, therefore, verse 52, you'll see the land from a distance. So then I got 33.5. It says, uh, let me see what I'm, where I'm at here. For some reason, I want to read 5 through 7, but that is, that's not right. I did this real late at night. Well, chapter 30, you, you could throw that in, Jace, when all these blessings and Hold curses on. I've set before you come upon you. Must be 34. And you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations when you and your children yeah. return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. And have compassion on you and gather you again to all the nations where yeah. he scattered them. You know, in other words, he's going to take care of you. Well, what, the point I was going to make, it, 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 I got it now. It's in chapter 34 because we know how the story played out. Hang on, let's, let's take our last break. So in verse 5, Moses, the servant of the Lord, 34-5, died there. Uh, as the Lord has said, he buried him. And, and the Lord buried him, and he was 120 years whatever old that means. When, he, when he died. Yeah, whatever that means. The Lord buried him. Back. And in verse 10, uh, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And that's what I wanted to get to, because God had a relationship with him. He had given his promises. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But then a few verses after he said that, it actually says... Because they went out. We know what the nation did. They turned their back on God. And what happened? He forsaked them. And so when people read that, they're like, well, I thought he said he would never do it. Because they turned their back on him. It wasn't like his choice to do it. He gave his word. I'm going to carry you through. You trust me. And they. Sounds like modern day America. Yeah. What he's saying is, is I didn't go anywhere. Yeah. You did. Exactly. I'm still here. You know what's interesting about Moses, Jay? He was, until Jesus came. He was the, he came the closest to the presence of the Almighty God than anybody that's ever lived, which is why my theory is that when he went up on that mountain, he didn't get to go into Canaan. He just got to look at it from the mountain, but then he went on to the ultimate promised land because, you know, all of a sudden we see the devils disputing over his body. I mean, God just said, all right, come on, come on up. You know, the same thing happened with Elijah. So, some of the people that have lived on earth – lived it in such a way that God says, you know what, you're, I'm, you're not even going to face death. You just come mm-hmm. on. You cross over, which is interesting. I mean, it's my theory. The Bible doesn't say that. It just says he buried him. But, I mean, when God buries you, I don't even know what that means. But I think that's his answer. He's like, because really the irony in all this is, you know, he's making a point here that you're pursuing something, whether it's money or sex or your own selfish ambition, or in this case, a religion without Jesus. and the irony of it is, when you go back to 31, it was like, well, he was pursuing them. The reason he made this statement, and that's the irony of our faith, is that it's not so much about what we pursue, 
compared to knowing that God, the creator of the universe, is pursuing us. And once you stop and realize that and put your faith and trust in him, all of a sudden you start experiencing the promises that he gives. That's true, no matter what the circumstances look like. And the presence of God, Al, you're, you're, I was going to bring that up because yeah. you noticed Love, it too. joy, but When you realize you're in the presence of God, mm-hmm. not just on Sundays, but every day. I mean, I love good worship. I mean, I, I do. But you're in the presence of God. You're, you know, when he made this whole point about Moses, but he summed all that whole book up in one verse in Hebrews 3, 6, where it says, you know why Jesus is better than Moses? Because you're his house. He's he's in you. In you. You know, Moses, and you have all the, the verses about his face was glowing. And, you know, if you look straight to God, because a lot of people read that face to face, they're like, well, he couldn't have saw him face to face or he would, you know, he would just burn up or whatever. But he definitely had some kind of relationship where God buried him and he was at the burning bush and he experienced the presence of God in a way, you know, others hadn't. But the same concept applies that we have the presence of God inside. And that's what Hebrews 3, 6 says. We we are his house. Back to your point, Phil. We don't go to the house of God. I mean, we are the house of God. But that's I'll why, read it. That's why I flipped it too, Jace, from fear to faithfulness. I mean, yeah. that's that's the flip. That's why the pulpit I mean, thing won't work. That's why the when he said be courageous, that's where I got this idea. Look. 3 5 says Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. I mean, we just read it. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. Yeah. I mean, that's what it says. It's us. If we hold on to our courage and the hope. Of which we boast. That's why when he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, the first phrase of that quote from Deuteronomy 31 was, be strong and courageous. It may look like you're outnumbered, but I'm surrounding you. You're in the presence of God. That's what he's saying. So when it comes to money and, you know, I lost my job and I, my wife left me, all the unfortunate incidents that happen in life, it may look like you're outnumbered. It may look terrible. There, it looks like impossible that you could love in that situation. Continue to love anybody because we get bitter and we get mad and we get angry and then we make mistakes and then it snowballs. And he's like, you're going to have to trust me. I mean, I think that's his point. When Paul says this in Philippians 4, Jace, it, it drives the point home he just made. He says in verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need, because he said he wished he'd you know, been able to express gratitude to the Philippian church. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Right. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this verse, which is probably – taken out of this context of contentment every day. I see it tat- on tattoos. I see it on people's T-shirts because they apply it to a lot of things. But the point is what he's saying is you can say this only because of the contentment you get in Christ. I can do everything mm-hmm. through him who gives me strength, meaning that I can be content always yeah. because yep. of him. Because even here he tied it to that. He's like, keep your lives f- free from the love of money and be content because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I 
forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Which, what is the answer to the question? What can man do to me? Nothing. Nothing. Now, if people just realize that, <laughs> they, they get some confidence. It would help them greatly. Yeah. Especially, again, because he uses the word fear again. It always goes back to that. Remember this paint, this picture that was painted when the presence of God was there? Moses, he's got him stuffed in between two rocks as, as his presence is so powerful. But the people are looking up at it, and they're so fearful. But what they don't realize is the presence of God is the ultimate thing that can make you invincible. Well, that's the number one motivation for love. Cause you, you go to first John four and says, this is love for God. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son for us. So that, I think that's the first motivation. The second one, which we'll get to in the bonus time is the one Phil, Phil already did a podcast about this uh, with himself was that verse seven, <laughs> remember your leaders. He <laughs> 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 spoke the word. We were there. Cause but... I was going to say motivation. Number two is that when you're, cause life is tough. We, we do have problems, you know, making money and with relationships and broken homes and fear and all these things. So he's like, the number one answer is, presence of God, word of God, promises of God. That is like, well, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God. Everybody per- needs a posse of people who are <clears throat> who are holding them accountable yep. Yep. And, and where you seek advice. 90% of all individuals I run into, 90%, when I see them and they come to talk wherever they come from, made a big trip, drive for a thousand miles, Ninety percent of them, Jace, they're singing the blues. Yeah, they are singing the blues. I, I don't know what. Well, to your I, point, Phil, earlier, look, all the leaders over and over, all, and over, all the leaders that are in my circle who hold me accountable, who I ask advice, none of them are pulpit preachers. Uh, which adds a little credence to what I've been. Well, I was just well wait a minute though. One of them is I'm in your posse. Well, you're in my posse, but I mean, now we're. <laughs> But I, mean, I guess technically I'm not a pull yeah. So I want to talk about that. About but if that. you didn't know him like you know him away from the pool, well, it would be a different saying, Because our relationships because we're brothers and we've been yeah, we worked well, we're brothers. I, I wasn't counting my immediate family. I'm saying all I the outside saying. guys. Uh, well, I guess one of them does preach occasionally out of the pulpit. Well, you're destroying your whole illustration. Well, well, I was just making a point, though. <laughs> Two or three of them, off the top of my head, they're not. They're just yeah. leaders. They're leaders of their family. They love God. They, they know the Bible. They. So when I call these people, I think that's motivation number two because we all. You don't want to get off there by yourself and try to tackle all the all of life. Different. All right. So we'll we're, we got more to explore there, and I thought of two good pulpit stories for you, Dad, to uh, to hammer home your points. Well, good. So we'll do that in the overtime. If you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed and subscribe to Blaze TV to get our overtime segments. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.